Welcome back, Rage Nation. Got myself Pete here. That's yeah. not really exciting. You got Senior Dixon. I don't think that's appropriate. And you got Monsieur Leopard. Explorers deserved it. No. Absolutely. I was disgusted. I cannot believe they've done this. Why is wacky? Why is that good? It's just nonsense. I disagree on that. That's not possible. <laughs> We're getting the band back together. We're on a mission. Yeah. Now, now we've got a whole new list of things to complain about. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We are at it again. Got myself Pete here, and we got Dixon. Dixon, my friend, how you doing? Better and better every day. Better and better every day. Yeah, that's all you can ask for. <laughs> got March Madness happening. This is actually, so, in the States, we have March Madness with college basketball. This is probably the first year in, like, ever that I just haven't cared. It's like, all my teams kind of suck. Maybe I'd watch K-State, but I'm in the middle of moving, so I'm like just not interested in college basketball right now. In the me- And it's fine. Yeah, I was about to say, in the meantime, I don't care about baseball, but Puerto Rico just won the first perfect game in the World Series. It was crazy. Yeah, it's the World Baseball Series or whatever they got going in like Seattle. Yeah, exactly. And like literally for the first time ever, anybody played a perfect game and it was Puerto Rico. So like a whole bunch of like my social media is exploding with like, people being excited about that and i don't even like baseball <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and it, it is cool because i i have seen the highlights from some of these college basketball games and i'm like oh man i kind of wish i saw that but i'm just like i'm too busy i got i'm getting ready to move states i need to lock down on that uh i got i've been forcing myself to get to get some malifo time with my buddy dixon so and we've definitely been doing that because we got another three game series uh yeah, we decided to play some kind of uh, interesting masters this time, Dixon. What did we yeah. end up trying? Uh, we got Angler and freaking uh, Bass uh, Frontier. Yeah, and specifically, I did, because I know, I've played against Bass enough times, I know what the master Bass does, right? I know right. that he's he's got a great, great gun. He does some stuff with Severe. He can make your life miserable. He can heal his crew. Really flexible, just solid master. A little squishy, though. Mm-hmm. So... I had never seen the title um, Cornelius Bass, Badlands Sheriff used. So I was like, I need to figure out what this guy does because I'm going to be playing Guild for a bit and I need to see if this is an option. So I put him on the table, not really knowing a ton of what he did. So my goal in this series was to kind of flush him out and be like, okay, what does a good Bass 2 crew look like? So I, I put him on the table for three games and... Dixon, you had a different goal because you have been rather upset with Angler. <laughs> I I was. I was upset. I think I pick up uh, finally uh, on at least one of the two titles. So Because I've been getting my ass kicked left and right by with them. Yeah, this series for you is more like, do I want to keep playing Angler? <laughs> this is the series where it's like, I got to find a reason. Because I really, really like Cervantes. And outside of you know me trolling with Sarita... I was like, I need to figure out if there's something in his crew. Yep. Also, Auntie Mel so, overrated. You think so? I mean, she's great. Don't get me wrong. But she's not like this perfect being where everybody is like, oh my gosh, she's the best thing since sliced bread. So do you think, <laughs> so let me ask you this then, just real quick, yeah, even yeah, before we course. get into it. 
is is anti mel equal to pre nerf francois Fuck. or was francois way better way better we're talking about a guy that was not only super tanky but can also dish out the damage whereas anti mel could just dish out the damage yeah i mean you played against it when anti mel was like anybody was like in her melee range if there were a decent beater she was dead she was just gone well it was kind of it's kind of funny right because looking at anti mel i think a lot of bayou players are kind of like and we'll get into this more when we get into the games. Right. They're kind of hoping she's the new Francois where they can hire her as a beater. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think he she is just easier to lock down. I think, like, yes, she possibly can kill her white whale target. And, yes, she's going to kill other targets. But if you put something kind of beefy into her melee where she has to engage with that, then it's kind of like, well, she has to deal with it or run away. Right, right. Also, White Whale basically, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Basically, it tells you as the opponent, do not put yes. this anywhere within line of sight of that woman. Yeah, it's it telegraphs it, Telegraph, right? It's like, okay, you, you want that model. I'm going to make it as inconvenient as possible for you to engage. Yeah, I'm, I'm wording this like perfectly crafted letter telling you pete dear pete please do not put this model anywhere within 10 inches and on the side of this other model that's basically what it is because i want to kill it exactly it's like <laughs> i am letting you know <laughs> that model dead if i ever see him within this this zone yeah before we get into everything though make sure that everybody's checking us out on youtube make sure you check us out on discord twitter uh lots of discord stuff going on uh and join us on patreon.com slash ragequitwire where you can support us for as little as a dollar. Mm. You get to hop on these live episodes if you want. We tend to do them kind of at weird times, so a lot of times our patrons can't quite hop on. We get a few that tend to hop on. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we do it kind of right now. We're just doing it kind of in the middle of the morning. Other times we do it at night. just kind of depends. Yep. But, yeah, if you want to participate in that, you also get the episodes early. And then we just throw random posts up there for kind of experiences that we do as well. Yeah. So definitely, definitely check that out. Yeah. Uh, uh, I do also want to say before we go, Dixon. No, I just want to add in, I, I'm missing right now my buddy Photon. Because like, I have been getting used to the <laughs> fact that Photon is always- Him being in the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, he, he has some good commentary. Like every now and then he has some questions that make us, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's true. That's something that we forgot about. And that's a good part too. You get to actually not only hear the episode as it's recorded, uh, not only do you get to hear it uh, unedited because there is some stuff when we record where I'm like, well, we got to cut that out. <laughs> um, you also get to interact. So, yeah, ask questions and stuff like that. Yep. So definitely appreciate our patrons. They rock. Uh, they enable things like just sent Dixon a brand new mic that hopefully he should get today, actually. Eventually. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And let us kind of run the software and everything else we need for the platform. So thanks to the patrons. You guys rock. Yeah. Um, before we get into the actual episode of the three game series, I did notice that the Danger Planet guys yesterday, they actually released a video um, talking about this balance foe idea. And I think this kind of originated more in the Vassal community. For, I think it was, was it the Malifaux World Series started doing this or yes. is it just a random Vassal? Yes, if I remember correctly, Maniacal Cackle, who, you know, yep. we've known a world fame, best Molly player in the world, one of the best players in the world, period. Uh, he He's part of the, the Malifaux World Council. Uh, Malifaux World Series Council, sorry. And he created this thing called Balance Foe, which is a format that was co-created 
with you know by talking to all the other top players around the world and so far and and i love this because like they talked about it in the danger planet which is the youtube channel highly recommend to everybody i've yep. been watching their videos left and right uh they have, yeah they do good tier lists yeah. and they do some other content it's that very they kind of rank stuff because like it's not like like they sit down and just talk like monotone voices like no no they just have conversations between buddies too and and it's it's also high quality players so i mean when they have them on there you're getting players who are probably in the top 10 percent of malifo right 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 so so um, Maybe not Jesse from Boring Conversation, but everybody else. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> but, okay, so so he made this thing. And, I, again, I recommend go watch the video. It's called How, do we, How Would You Balance Malifaux? And yep. basically the gist of it is no new book and certain uh, versatile, oh, versatiles from the second book uh, are banned. And so I think far, they said versatile enforcers. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that. So all, all I know is that the general gist of it uh, and the end, sorry, the general opinion in the end is everybody hates it the first time when they hear it. Everybody loves it when they play it. Nobody has had any single problem at all after they play it. They actually enjoy playing the game. Yeah, I was kind of listening to it because they had um, our buddy Landon on there. Right. Um, from Illinois and Landon kind of said the same thing where he was like, man, I really don't like the idea of banning stuff. And then when he played it, he was like, it was, it was pretty enjoyable. There were some of those stupid combos that you just didn't see. Uh, you didn't get any of the new masters out of madness of Malifaux and those crews, the busted stuff like guild mage Yannick, which from what I heard from maniacal cackle, he's like, those are the two biggest issues out of those versatile enforcers right. out of the entire, yeah. You know, Malifo burns yeah. books. And Bayou doesn't get if I remember correctly, they don't they don't also get um uh Bo Peep, which is a huge hit, but apparently it doesn't really make that much of a difference. Yeah, Bo Peep's kind of a crutch where she's nice in a lot of crews, but not necessary. You can unpack with other stuff. Yes. So I she's like absolutely necessary for my Ma, my Mecha Mimo. Uh <laughs> yeah, yeah, like no lie. And oh no, no, I get it. I wish she was a pig. If she was a pig, she would be perfect in the keyword that she's supposed to be in. And sweet. Exactly. Yeah, so that was kind of the two big things um, when they were talking about it. And when I think about a lot of the negative play experiences that I, I kind of think of recently in the game, a lot of it is out of those two things specifically. Mm -hmm. um, because I was talking to somebody on the Discord and we were talking about Tall because kind of I've said this in a, the last couple episodes, but the Malifaux, Madness of Malifaux stuff is just, it's too efficient. It's low target numbers. It's you know, just great actions. You get, not only do you get movement out of an action to do something if you get a trigger, but then you also get to interact. Uh, there's a lot of stuff where it's like you get to do A, B, and C instead of you know, most actions, it's like you get A, and if you hit the trigger, you might get B, especially in the older stuff. Right. So there's just too much, kind of like we were saying last episode with Tall, where we're like, and then, yep. Yep. and then you get this, oh, and, by and the then way, you get that. Oh, and by the way. Yep. <laughs> and, and somebody was like, yeah, I actually, I actually noticed that. And even though Tall is so efficient, I think Tall would be more manageable if you took the guild mage out of it, I think the guild mage for crews like Tall and Perdita 2 specifically mm -hmm. are really ridiculous, but there are other crews that can also abuse yeah. it a little bit. There's, there's a couple of things I would 
like to take out a tall, like Warning Growl and Nimble <laughs> the Realm. Like if you take those two things out and the knife specifically on, on Watson, I think that's it. You literally don't have to take anything else yeah. out of the crew, in my opinion. Just tone down those three things. And the crew is like, okay, it's really, really strong. I think so. I think you can get. I think you can keep warning growl because there are other models that have that in the game. I think you take away the king's realm thing, which is the double negative crap, and you just give him uh, von Schill's type of ability, where it's like, okay, you want to get rid of negatives on your opponent, just do that. You don't need the also negatives if right. you target Cause other Because he, he already wait. Oh, so it's caked in the whole thing about you ignore negatives. Into the chaos yeah, so, here. No, so oh. it's, let me pull up. I got King's Wall right here. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like that's the thing. For King and Country is the one that is the negative to attack actions and other and damage flips when targeting other. So they are two separate abilities. So honestly, you could just get rid of for King and Country, and I think you'd be okay. Yeah, I think you're right. I think on the and then that way you still keep the negative with the symbol of the realm. Yeah, or 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 limit at least one or the other either negative damage or negative to the hit i would say negative to the, yeah. the, the remove the negative to the damage keep the negative to the hit and on once and take out the knife and put something else in yeah so i kind of kick back against this a little bit and i can see because i think vassal's a little different because you can get so many games on vassal if you really want to and there's a lot of people around the world that you can do all these games with and stuff. So I think well, I was like, I kind of joked and said, I know you've seen this broken stuff to a higher level than I have. So I value your opinion on it a little bit more than mine as far as like how gross these models can get in specific situations. Plus, I think I saw somebody, I don't know if they were joking, but they were like, yeah, Maniacal probably plays like 200 Malifaux games a year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've proven that it's doable because like, I what I played three games in one day. I played against you in the morning, then I played against mm -hmm. a gentleman at like three in the afternoon because it was my you know one of those day off for me, and then late at night, right before like uh, I was getting ready to start, Angel hit you. Up. Angel hit up. It's like hey, I'm looking for a game, and then he whooped me like a like oh my god, he destroyed me. Angel proved <laughs> like I was like. Yeah, I know you. You got world championship, but we played before. You beaten me, but not that bad. He beat me that bad. It was. It was. It was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I told. I told him. I was like. I told maniacal. I was. I was just. Hey, I. I real. I value your opinion on high end broken stuff more than me. I'm gonna see it kind of. You know, I'm. High, I'm kind of high middle tables. Mm. Like sometimes I'll squeak into you know the top. Sometimes I'll, I'm. I'm mostly high middle, so I can recognize that. Yeah. So like I can recognize good stuff, but sometimes to see how like disgusting it is, you got to look at like a high level player and be like, okay, this is pretty gross. I was not abusing it like they are. Exactly, exactly. And and like he, it wasn't like like Angel was playing something that I hadn't seen. He was playing Terra Two. Yeah. He was playing yeah. nerfed Terra Two, and he did the slingshot with Talos that I was telling you about, and it was not yeah, pretty. And, <laughs> yeah, and looking so looking at Balance Foe, it's one of those things where like. As far as the online community, I definitely understand it, but I, I, I am more of obviously in person in the store. And I was kind of, I was saying that I think Malifaux, and I think we, we are starting to do this more, especially as we start getting some more powerful things, right. um, just kind of socially regulating this stuff. So for example, if I went into the game store and somebody had Damien 2, if it was the first time they're playing it, 
I'd be like, okay, yeah, you can see what it does, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I could explain a little bit on the card, the stuff that's strong right. and, you know, play a game out of it. However, if this is somebody where they play Damien a lot and I know I'm about to, you know, get punched in the face really hard, right. I'd be like, you know, I don't want to play against Damien too. Um, if you want to play Damien one, I'm okay with that. Uh, or if you want to try a different crew, but I'm not going to play against Damien too. He becomes kind of and, and I think that's fine. I think that's fine on my position. I'm going into the game store. Yep. I'm spending three hours or more playing this game, chilling with a friend, hopefully. And I don't want to sit here and play a game that we already know how it's going to yeah. end, or or that it's miserable to play against. Yeah, it's like, or it's just yeah, totally. It's not fun. Yeah, because I had a lot of fun playing against Tall, but it playing against Damien, it felt like a like like a very on and off switch. It was like, all right. I, I guess did I do enough damage? Yes, and, and it wasn't even fun for Chris either, because like, yeah, Chris either crushed me or I crushed him because of raw damage and lucky flips, right? And it was yeah. just like it's it's too binary, very little interaction. We were not very happy about it. Tall, on the other yeah. hand, there were so many instances where like we were both going back and forth, and Tall, yeah, he had the upper hand, like like he he was good, but it was not like like I didn't feel useless. Let me put it that way. It just felt like yeah. I was struggling, but it was still fun. Yeah, because, I mean, Damien 2, you can drag somebody in, and then they don't get any kind of triggers. They don't get to use soul stones. Right. And it's just, it's there's so much damage coming at you from, yep. from Damien. Yep. And it just it's to the point where, and I, I don't think you get to draw cards either if you're super close to him, like four inches. I don't remember that part. Um, but I remember, uh, yeah. It's not it's not something that's good to play against. It is something where it's like this is bad. Um, the only time I've had a super amount of success against it is playing like Zip and just kind of going to the flanks and killing everything else and just trying to avoid him. You were right, by the way. Same rule that doesn't yeah. allow you soul stones also doesn't allow drawing cards. Yeah, it feels super good. Again, I think weird. I think weird was like you know. You, this model is going to wreck you and then you're going to not want to play the game because if even if you wanted to like i don't know draw a card with an ability get effed yeah you can't do it i i don't know i'm i mean i'm not i know you're being cynical <laughs> it's like here's some salt i feel like whoever designs arcanist at, at weird <laughs> is just some maniacal twisted no. just evil person no i just <laughs> dude it happens all the time i think the the and i honestly i believe that because it's i'm joking by oh, the way I know you're, but... I know you're i think well just in case somebody actually hears this and oh. it's like oh man pete really hates weird dudes yeah they... it's like no but i do hate arcanists i think there is some dumb stuff in arcanists yeah no no, no. I, I know that you don't like the trickery and the underhandedness of of i love that about them and i just don't like the aesthetics anyway my point is i think the obvious thing that happened is they did not see it in playtesting because they were probably playing uh, Malifaux uh, Madness or Madness of Malifaux models against Madness of Malifaux models. And then it just kept stacking abilities against each other until they felt like they were... It was like a nuclear race because they yeah. were just so powerful. Right, but they <laughs> didn't realize it because they were not playing against models from other... Like, like if they had stacked Damien against like Perdita 1... Trust me, they would have been like, "Whoa, this guy's way over the top." <laughs> well, and that's that's what I was telling you after our games when we played these three games. I was like, because I went from playing Tull, who Tull Tull hits every TN, Tull draws cards, Tull has super good abilities, static abilities, uh -huh. and I was just like, I'm drawing no cards, which is 
fine, I guess. And then I also have these bonuses that just half the time they're not going off because I'm not meeting the TNs for them to go off because some of them need like sevens or eights. Right. (laughs) You went from I need fours and fives to need sixes and sevens and maybe eights. Yeah. Like it it was just like the the jarring differences between when you were playing tall to now, it was like almost obvious from the get go, right? Especially the no yeah, card and draw. And there are some TNs where it's like, it's an attack action. And not only do you have to defeat your opponent, but there's also like, oh, you also need to hit at least a seven to get past the TN on this attack action. Right, right. Yeah, it was like, it was just, that's what I'm saying. That's the difference. In, and that's kind of what I go back to with that these Madness of Malifaux models are just super efficient. It's like low cost, low TNs, card draw, card cycling um extra actions free actions it's just it's it's pretty ridiculous yeah yeah but going back to balance though before we get into our three game series uh i lean more towards in store like a social construct of like yeah if if the new stuff comes out and you want to play it let's play it but then next week if i'm like man i really didn't like playing that and i don't want to play against it i've i played so i played 40k for a long time pretty much for like 20 years of my life. Same thing. And yeah, and Friday nights was 40K night, right? So you'd go to the game store, you'd get about, I mean, we had a big group, so we'd have like anywhere from 12 to 20 people come in to play 40K. And you'd get people that come up and ask you like, hey man, you want a game? Hey man, you want a game? And those, those power gamers that played the broken crap were the ones that every time I was like, no, I'm good, I'm just chilling, I'm gonna hang out, watch this game. And then, you know, a more friendly person that I knew I would have a fun game with would come up and say like, Hey, you want a game? I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go crank out a game. And I'm sure the power gamer was like, but I wanted a game. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted like, to punch you in the nuts. Yeah. I wanted to club <laughs> some baby seals. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm saying is like, in a when you're, you can't necessarily do that online in Vassal. You do. I mean, I do. Right. Like I only play with people that I like. I don't play with rando people that I know are going to stomp me and I'll get pissed off at them. Right. But uh, I play against people in the store the same way I do online, or it's just like I'm playing against my friends. If I want to challenge myself with somebody I'm not as friendly with, I'll try to step up to that. Or if I want to see a keyword for, you know, maybe the first time, I'll play with that person. Mm. But if they're saying like, by the way, I'm going to play, you know, this broken thing, right. and I don't feel like playing against it, I'm be like, yeah, I'm not playing against that. I'm not going to put myself through three hours of getting my teeth kicked in when I'm trying to do something else. Yeah, yeah. Also, also, it's not so much like, oh, I don't want to play three hours just to lose. It's like, no, no, it's I want to know. I don't want to play three miserable hours. Yeah, I don't I want to have fun. Like there there was there was a game that you and I played where it's like, you know, something was obviously going to happen, yeah. but we both still had fun playing the game. Yeah. I, like the toll, the toll game, you kind of were like, well, I'm probably not going to win this because of the efficiency. But I'm having fun figuring it out. Exactly, and and I and again, I want to play. I want that rematch, and I'll. I, I don't know. Yeah. I want to play with Zoraida because I think. I don't know. I got so yeah. many ideas that I. Oh, Zoraida! I think has Zoraida. I think has great play in it all. Yeah, well, I mean Zoraida, Dreamer too. Like I, in my head, there's a bunch of masters that have a, a sure. really good matchup against him. Uh, Dreamer two, especially because Dreamer two can match the speed, the damage, uh, not the durability though. That's the part that I have to like. I have to figure out how to outdo your resources because you get card draw like a madman, 
and your durability. Yep. That's it. But I can match you on the other two. Yeah, so I think I think as far as balance foe goes, that this is probably it's a cool format and I think it's a good option for people to have. Like if you want to run a, a tournament and just be like, oh no, we're gonna use balance foe for this one. Yep. Um so the, here's kind of the restrictions. Because I think when you actually and people people have this mindset in life, not just Malifaux, mm -hmm. where sometimes if there's restrictions, they look at that as like, oh, I'm not being as free. I can't do whatever I want. It's like, I, I actually think it's the opposite. When you restrict some things, it actually makes you more creative because you're like, oh, I can't bring the guild mage. That's six points that, you know, frees up other models. I can't bring, you know, the Madness and Malifaux stuff. So I can't bring Watson that frees up this amount of points. Yep. I can't bring Tull, so now I have to think of another master that does this. So it actually frees you up to really think about different combos that are good. They're just not as good as this OP stuff, we'll call it what it is. And it brings models that were in the bench because all of a sudden, Ken is now solid again. Or, yep. hell, you can try Wispang because the meta doesn't have all of the things that can sell Wispang. It's, it's, I'm sorry, I've been on a Bayou track lately, so I've been oh, thinking fine. a lot. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my. No, thing. I was thinking, I, I was thinking the same thing because I think Tull actually fills in a lot of the same things that other keywords in Guild wants to do. Mm -hmm. So I think that would open it up where it's like, okay, now you can play around with Dashel, you can play around with Sonya, you can play around with Perdita, which people still play Perdita because she's super good. Right. But there, there's a lot of different things that you can then bring into it. Uh, maybe Nelly starts seeing, you know, the scheming role again because, you know, yeah. people, I think because of Tull and all this other good stuff in Guild, people still forget Nelly's a thing and she's yeah. pretty gross. She, she, I think she disappeared from the competitive scene like two or three years ago. And she was not bad. I haven't seen a lot. Since I saw her a little bit last gaining grounds, okay. specifically in like, you know, symbols and stuff, because it's like, oh, you can't. You can't interact to move things or you can't interact to push this, pick this up. Right. It's like jerk moves. And yeah, so I do think that this has some playability. I wouldn't make it the law of the land, though, uh, just because I think when there's a variety of flavors for competitive and for Malifaux, that just makes it more interesting. Yes. Um, and that's kind of the same idea I have with this 40 Soulstone Adepticon event for Malifaux mm -hmm. that Weird's putting on. It's different, and I would want to try it. I wouldn't want that to be the new normal, though. I think uh, doing it like two times a year for each one of these, like the Adepticon, one yeah. or two times a year, Balanceful, I would say four times a year. Like every every three months, yeah. like you get a big if, event. If you are a meta that can throw a tournament on um, like once a month, right. I think this type of stuff's perfect for you. Absolutely. I think this is stuff that you can throw in and it would just, it would keep your meta very uh, lively. Yes. And the thing, and honestly, I like the, the reason why I like the idea for the Deathcon thing even more, I think it's because of time. Because one of the things that with the increased complexity of models that they keep stacking more and more rules on models lately, the game has taken longer. Like yeah. even me trying to play fast because of how ridiculously, you know, come like there's so much crap on the card. Uh, it's becoming harder and harder for me to keep track. And it's not like I don't yeah. play like I play a lot of games ever since I've been back. I've been playing a, a significant amount of games and I'm still like reading the entire saga that is like Damien or Tall. You know what I mean? It's like 
Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I could I didn't even know that he stopped Cartra, that Damien stopped Cartra. <laughs> because it's like in well, the and, middle of this fucking mess. I was gonna say, even getting into our game with Bass versus the Clampets, I don't think until game three you were even playing the ability on the uh on the hermits where you get a shield if you start an activation within three and then randomly in turn three you're like i gotta remember this is an ability yeah <laughs> yeah because it's it's a it's a thing it's added, i mean don't get me wrong it's not like the her- hermits have a whole crap load of stuff in their card but all of their cards uh, all of their abilities have to go off to be able to compete with all this new stuff at, at least in my opinion yeah and i, I honestly I think if I played Balance Foe with Chris, he would come back to playing Malibu. I absolutely agree. Because the, the, the so thing that you... burned out Chris, he told me specifically, was like it was just oh, getting yeah. way too, it was just getting way too complex for him to keep up for just a, a, a hobby of his. Yeah, and it was also just if you have players that are feeling burned out like that, where they're like, "This stuff's too good," you know, I only play like once a month, exactly. maybe. It's like I just I don't like the way it's progressing. Balance foe is probably a, a good way to to check that and be like, okay, well, why don't we play this balance foe format? You know, you don't get this new stuff, you don't have these broken models, and then, uh, yeah, it's kind of kind of goes from there. I think that's a great way to uh, make your people that are a little angsty about all this new stuff happy. Absolutely, and I think and I think the Malifaux like vassal community is actually even leaning towards maybe a harder, I guess, a harder balance foe. Yeah. Where they're like, if it hasn't gone through a rata, you can't play it. Yeah, that's the best idea that they had. If it hasn't gone through a harder rata, you don't get to play it. And and some people like that. And I, do, I don't, I think if you enjoy that and it makes it where it's more enjoyable for you and your community, go for it. Yep. But our games, Dixon, we played Frontier versus Angler. So this is, I like, we I already told you why we did uh, what we did here, why we selected them. And we, really had some fun with these keywords. These keywords kind of battled pretty good against each other. And we'll kind of get into the first game just to kind of describe how it kicked off. But we actually did the first match is standard uh, deployment. We did covert ops, which was definitely interesting. Yep. And we did public demonstrations, spread them out, set the trap, secret meetup and hidden martyrs. So in this one, you decided to try out the Fisher Folk version of this. Uh, what were you trying to get out of this game with the Fisher Folk model and the crew? So it's kind of weird because, like, I I have played what like six six games by the time we started this series with the Fisher Folk, yeah, uh, with the Clampus on both sides. Uh, I thought stealth was going to be a bigger defense and armor. That was the entire idea for this. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, not only so, I thought the stealth was really good. I also thought use them as bait drawing cards would be really good. Right. Uh, tongue lashing felt pretty good, and then uh, obviously the the Silurid stomp always for mobility. Yep. But yeah, I mean, we started playing this game. You ended up bringing the Fisher Folk, Bruce, Auntie Mel, Bog, Judd and Honey, Bushwhacker, Skulker, and Skulker. Right. Uh, and did you have, let me check. I think you might've had an upgrade on this one. You did. You had 12 cups on the Sillerid. And then on, I ended up bringing on the master, on the master, good. specifically on the master. Yeah, yeah. Um, I ended up bringing the Badlands Sheriff with Bass, Bernadette, Reichart, Dr. Grimm for a weird pick, Sandworm, a clock trap, Pathfinder, clock trap, and a clock trap. Yeah. 
And I would say so, the Sandworm and your Clock Traps are tied for MVP in your side. Yeah, definitely. I'll, getting into especially the first turn, I'll talk about that. Uh, I know I ended up picking Hidden Martyrs and Secret Meetup. I, you also picked Hidden Martyrs. I don't remember what your second scheme on game one was. Oh, man. I, I think it was I public made, demonstration. Was yeah. I think it was public demonstration. Okay. And it just didn't, didn't pan out at all. Okay. I think public demo is hard to score. I never take it. Yeah. Turn one. So the clock traps get to, well, first off, Frontier gets to deploy an inch up for each Frontier model you had. So since I had, what, one, two, three, four, I had five. So I got to be five inches Jesus. past standard deployment. Yep. And then the clockwork traps deploy six inches away from your deployment. Yep. So basically turn one, I had three clock traps. I summoned a clock trap. So I ended up, I think I charged one into Bruce and Auntie Mel. I think I charged one into Uncle Bog, one into your Bushwhacker, and then another one into like a Skulker. So the, bu so the I Bushwhacker, we got to talk about that one first, because that one <laughs> was put the fear of God on the Bushwhacker. Yeah, I think I did like three or four damage to yeah, you. Yeah, you did three damage to the poor bush. Uh, no, you did four. You did four. You brought him back. I think he was a six or seven health. I know that he was a three health by the time you finished your attacks. And I had to activate yeah. him because you had another uh, trap within range and get the hell yep. out of dodge. I just like, just get me out of here. <laughs> like, yoink? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. So turn one in this game, those clockwork traps pretty much held you held half your crew in your deployment zone. Yes. I did not expect them to be as good as they were. Yeah, I completely forgot about you, them. You, did, you didn't respect them. Yeah, because like <laughs> the last time I played against Clockwork Traps was what, like a year and a half, two years ago? Yeah, something. Yeah, because I, I played against well, Bass in the interim, but I don't think I've seen Clockwork Traps being bought into well, the I was Well, I was telling you... That clockwork traps are what I wish Malifaux rats were. Right? They're the same <laughs> point cost, but they're armor two. So most of the time you have to do two swings on them. Yeah. Because you have to be, what, min four to kill them? Yes. Yes. Or damage four if you hit the moderate or something. Yeah. So most models are going to have to hit them twice, which I'm fine with. If you put two full actions into a trap, that's two points. Good on you. Yeah. Uh, but, but once again, Cervantes king of killing traps <laughs> yeah he did okay yeah. his problem was usually that the trap staggered him so now his escargo was like only an inch move. exactly <laughs> i was like all right murder a trap in yeah <laughs> heroic intervention <laughs> it's like, <laughs> got something stuck on his snail yeah heroic but... intervention though like kept him moving oh yeah uh, I will say, though, the things that I really appreciated with the traps were not only just auto putting out staggered, which helped just really put the games that it worked, it worked well. Uh, but also there were times where coming, you're coming with me was a huge trigger on these traps. Yes. Uh, it didn't come up in this game, but definitely game two and three. We'll talk about that, that trigger, because it is really good to not only stagger your opponent, but either move them into your crew so you can kill them or move them into your deployment zone so they're out of action for like a turn and a half. Which I, I find it funny because like first game you learn with because of the you're coming with me that you can't just put the traps right in front of them. You have to put the traps like towards the side. That way that you can push them yeah. towards your crew. It's like that kept yep. happening. You're like like charge. Oh crap, I forgot that I have to put, you know, 
a little bit off. Yeah, right? I forgot right. creep along. You have to see somebody to use and, it. And so. the first game, you used it thinking that it was anything, like any any model. Yeah. And I was like, no, it's friendly only. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, crap. I guess I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which is fine, but yeah, the turn one clockwork traps, putting you on the back foot definitely felt good. Um, yeah, I felt good about that. Yes. So we kind of started progressing through the game and you, you kind of started to notice at game one that you weren't getting very close up to the midline yeah. and that was the objective to score points hanging out at the center. So what were you thinking about with like, the Fisher folk and your other models of like how you were going to score those points. So until I learn how to play hit and run tactics better, because I, I am still thinking about Fisher folk as, as like slightly the better. I don't want to say it's better now because after playing Baluhu bucket, I'm in love with that stupid title. Yeah. yeah like, and, and he's on a tugboat. <laughs> yeah. That little tugboat is, is legitimately badass. Uh, I don't know how else to describe it, but, uh, Looking at Fisher Folk because of the card draw and because of a whole bunch of other stuff, I think it should still be better in general. I just don't know how to play hit and run better. That's it. Against you, I needed to set the line of scrimmage fast, and I was not able to do that with Fisher Folk, and that was it. Yeah, and I mean, I put uh, lead line coat on Badland Sheriff and on, or no, this game, sorry, I didn't put it. Actually, yeah, this was actually the problem. I didn't put it on Badlands Sheriff. I put it on Reichart and Grimwell. I brought Grimwell because I thought in game one I would have more staggered out. Mm -hmm. But it turned out he was just too slow to benefit from it usually. Like usually to get to a target that was staggered, I would have to walk and then charge. And uh, I didn't have a lot of cards in hand to do his bonus to discard to move a target. Yeah, Because as I found out quickly, there's no card draw and this crew isn't as efficient. So if I wanted like all these random kick up dust to go off, sometimes I had to cheat cards for that. Right. And then I didn't have a card just to discard. Yep. So Grimwell really yep. like if you put him in a tunnel, like, you know, and just said, hey, in this isolated incident, you're going to have a staggered target and do a bunch of damage. Yes. But in a board where models are moving, where he has to walk and then go, it just never worked out. Yeah. Also, your crew was so incredibly fast in comparison yeah. to him that he had to use this i think he had nimble so he had to use his nimble instead of using doctor's orders i think it was something like yeah. that to just keep yep. up with your crew he's just like yeah <laughs> just open it. So like it's never a good thing whenever you have to use actions to walk that's a that's a general you know high level. not even just to walk just to keep up right? right just to be like in scoring position and sometimes i had to double walk and like this feels terrible right, right, right. <laughs> but like one of the most advanced things that you learn when you're trying to like get better at the game is like like walk actions are not great so if you can do no. less walk actions and still move up the board the better and grim walls yeah you don't you don't want to walk unless it's going to score your points yeah, essentially more than half the actions in this game for Grimwall were walking more yep. like i easily i didn't even have to keep track i just kept looking at him no, going he, around no, shit. He, yeah because <laughs> he was going to score and then he was going to deny and then he was going to yep. i don't know even when he charged it was not even like great. And, and another another problem i didn't think about is all these dust up markers all these you know whatever they're called yep 
they're severe. Grimwall doesn't ignore severe. Right, 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 right. That's the reason, <laughs> by the way, listeners, that's the main reason why it says, like, he spent most of the time walking is because after Pete would activate everybody else and then try to, like, capitalize on Grimwall's damage, there was way too many kick-up dust markers for Grimwall to get yep. anywhere. So he literally had to go around his own friendly models constantly. It was dumb. He was, he was just like, oh, man, <laughs> <laughs> these frontier guys, what's wrong yeah, with them? So that was a, a bad pick. So basically, Pete was down, what, eight, nine points for that model? Yeah, it was, it was nine stones. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm – but see, that's why you put stuff on the table because you're just like, play it, see how it works. And like I said, Grimwell could have done work, right. but you weren't being stupid, right? You were kind of right. like – Playing the outskirts a little bit, you're kind of hopping in and out. Yep, um, and you still won. It just it didn't pan out. Yeah, you still won. Yeah, well, yeah, getting into you, it. You were down nine points, and still the rest of your crew that got work because between the traps and the the giant sandworm, just like completely denied <laughs> me points because that's that's literally what happened. Well, and I think it's interesting because you said apparently some people hate the sandworm. Yeah. Do you want to kind of like illuminate that a little bit? No, the sandworm literally suffers from Malasaurus Rex's problem, which is their stat four. And people look at the stats and go, look at the defensive stats, sorry, and go, well, this model's garbage, clearly. I'm like, but it's not. This model can go anywhere on the board, basically, and deny people points. It, yeah, he has a special rule that when he comes out, he doesn't count for, like, I think it's strategies and schemes. But yeah. he can still make other people not count for strategies and schemes. He can still bite them in the butt, get him out of uh, position. It's, it's really good. The, the I cannot yeah. praise it enough. If you, so everybody on this podcast knows that I'm a big Maw Tucket aficionado. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm a big fan of Soulstone Miners. And I think once you play a bunch of games with a model like a Soulstone Miner, you know, you you kind of can feel that activation, like when it should happen. Right. And basically you look at, okay, like where can I deny points? Where can I kill maybe a model that is squishy or kind of more of a tech model and pop up? And, and this is actually better in a lot of matchups and boards because it's just severe terrain. So you can even... You can even pop up yep. in your opponent's deployment zone, essentially. Yep. Also, he's two points more, but he's like twice as good, in my opinion. Yeah, because so there were lots of times where I like popped up and killed your dog or popped up to engage Judd and Honey, yep. uh, popped up to engage, you know, whatever model that I think is going to try to score. I mean, you say, and, by the way, you say, oh, he popped up and killed the dogs like he popped up, killed the dog, put damage on Judd and Honey before the dog had activated. So you were up yeah. in activation. And then if I attack you, I don't have many ways to do anything other than, like, except for my master, anything other than, yeah. than defense. Because, like, my master was the only thing that could do anything that was, like, willpower or movement, right? So the, the Sandworm, yeah. you all you, Pete, had to do was just, like, I toss a mask. He's gone now. Bye. Yeah, so, so that's what I'm saying is the triggers that this model has are really good. Right. On the attacks, you can give out possibly slow. And I didn't line it up. I think in the last game, I could have if I brought him. I didn't bring the Sandworm game three. Mm, okay. But if I did, there were lots of situations where there were a lot of staggered models. And a move 15 duel against staggered models, they're going to gain slow. Right? Because yep. if you're only move three... Yep. You need a 12 to pass this thing. 
it's like, yeah, most of your stuff's going to gain slow. So yeah. that's a combo that playing this crew more, I'll figure out because I think it's actually Disgusting. pretty good. <laughs> um, but basically, I ended up holding the center lines pretty much until turn four or so. Right. Because I was just kind of holding the line. I was causing you to be delayed with these traps and the sandworm. Um, random shots to kind of pick a couple of things off. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually ended up... So this game, I actually had a pretty... I was trying to figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do with Badland Sheriff. I'm like, it's only 2-3-3 three, three, three damage. Okay. Uh, he has a pistol. I guess that's fine. Uh, he has an, a shockwave, but it's off of a dust cloud marker. Right. So that's two damage. I mean, that's not a lot. Right. And I just, I didn't see kind of like what I was supposed to be doing with this. So I ended up just diving on Judd and Honey. Right. And and it ended up killing killing the master. Well, <laughs> th there was a very specific reason. Remember that you said uh, that you wanted to keep Grim, Grimwall? Yeah, you wanted to keep Grimwall alive. So you gave him the lit line code that should have gone to. Yeah. And that was it. That was, I told you, it's like, well, from my experience, you never want to not give lit line code to a bass because he's super squishy. He just dies. And yeah, it just has hard to win. Right. And people use him for the twisted tornado. Whenever I played against him on Vassal, uh, other people other than you, they, they use twisted tornado offensively. Uh, they every now and then take a pot shot with the gun and then they position him so that other people can ignore concealment. And that's it. You wanted to yep. use the shackles, and I said, "Well, you have to give him lit line code." <laughs> yeah. Well, and I'll get into the other game, but I just I started realizing that this is not a damage model. Right. This one's kind of a support, a position model. The you're coming with me trigger. I didn't get to mess with it this game. Uh, like you're saying, twisting tornado. Yeah, it can do two damage, but more. I think you can also move your models two inches if it's if it's affected by yep. it. That's the and one. then. And then challenging and pulsing out the staggered with the trigger seems pretty good. And then actually in this matchup, order in the Badlands was pretty good. Amazing. Because I could push a marker to get rid of your tide. It markers. was amazing. All three games, order in the Badlands denied me like two to three points. Easy. Yep. Yep. But you ended up did getting uh, bass. The problem is you only ended up scoring, I think, one point off the strategy in this game. Yeah. And I ended up getting three off the strat just because I had control of the midline. I was kind of really putting the pressure on you good in this game. Yep. I mean, I, I um, literally broke out a Skulker. And the Skulker barely survived to then score me the point. I think that was it. After that, I could not get anything past your line of scrimmage. Because like, you set it up pretty much next to my deployment zone. And then I just I tried, but I, I just couldn't push out. Yeah, and there's also, like, this is kind of... I think this strategy is probably really good for this version of Bass, uh, just because he has a two-inch melee. So the fact that you can, because remember, you have to be unengaged when you're scoring the strategy on Covert Ops. Right. So there were times where it's like, I was able to engage you, but I was able to score because you're only a one-inch melee to my two-inch melee. So him and Reichardt both being two-inch melees really made a difference in this strategy. Dude, Reichard... <sighs> God, I want to give him the MVP, but like, I he was such an obvious threat that I tried everything in my power to keep track of him. Whereas, yeah. like I said, the traps and the sandworm, when they were in the game, they were just like 
disgusting. They they gate you so many. I think the last game was the only time that you didn't bring the sandworm. Or am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Because like the yep. first two games, Sandworm was like, like I said, competing with the with the traps for MVP. They they did yep. work. Yep. So I ended up getting this one four two. I could have probably scored another point there, but like we were getting towards the end of turn five, and I was like, well, I could score a scheme, but I don't really need to. Right, so right. <laughs> four two is just as fine as five two. Right. I mean, the fact that you won, uh, you if it was a tournament, then you care about differential. But in this case, the only reason why. You didn't score more. It's like at one point in time, I think I denied your your schemes. Like you got one scheme point, and then I was like, "Nope, never again." And that was it. Yeah. It was super dumb. Yeah, and I actually I miss. I guess I thought that if I so I took secret meetup, right. and I just I there wasn't a good situation for me to score that. Um, I end up I, see I ended up putting it on the sandworm, but. I was burying and unburying too much where I didn't really find a good spot to, plus I had to put down scheme markers and I didn't have a good model to just go put down a scheme marker. Yeah, It's one of those things where like you learn, okay, so I cannot pick the sandworm for schemes. Like you just go. <laughs> I, I will say this is also the game. So if you remember Bernadette was down, I think to one hit point and you brought a skulker over to try and kill her. <sighs> and then I activated Bernadette and she like, one shotted your skulker with i think a red joker she did she did i was i was so and mad. you were just like that might you're like that might have won you the game uh, i think it did i mean no it, it wasn't the only thing i think bernadette scored me probably about three no she didn't score me three she probably scored me two points yeah bernadette was not an mvp but she she definitely did work two out of the three games she did a yeah. point or two or you know, denied me a point or two for a couple of turns. Like, as a as a totem, I loved her. By the way, welcome, Photon. Uh, when you listen to the podcast from the full, uh, we miss you, buddy. We really missed you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, kind of getting back into it. Um, yeah, Bernadette's a great totem. I mean, she she does kind of like what you want a totem to do. She's not. She is. You know. She does count as a model, so she's not a worthless, non-scheming, non-stratting model. Yes. And she's hard to kill, so you got to put at least two shots yep. into her. But as, as we're going to talk, you learned something real quick about her on, on game two, right? Yeah, I mean, I end up getting this one 4-2, and then we go into game two, which I'll pull up right now, which we actually do is corner deployment. Right. Uh, we did carve a path on this one, load them up, vendetta, catch and release, in your face, and leave your mark. Right. So, Dixon, you ended up bringing the Ballyhoo bucket because you were, like, a little uh, disheveled and a little uh, little sad about the first version of Angler. And I actually said, Dixon, there you go. try the second version. Yeah, because, like, every, every game that we do for any of these series, or any game that we play, really, after the game, we have, like, the after-action report, and we both start talking about back and forth of, of what we think about it. And you recommended mm-hmm. that. You're like, dude, just... Try the other one. Maybe the armor is going to be better. Maybe the play style is going to be better for you because, like, you just keep getting these L's with the uh, with the stealth guy. And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're on a, what was the yeah, thing you said? You're on a losing streak. You got to do something about that. <laughs> yeah, and you were – well, also, you were kind of bringing the same list, right? So you are kind of, like, beating your head against the wall. You kept bringing the Skulkers and a Bushwhacker combo and then Judd and Honey and this yeah. and that. I was like, you got to mix it up. Try some of these other models, mix your list up, try the different title. 
and see what you think. I f- because I know there's there's some titles I don't like. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but I, I don't want to give up on the idea of the Skulker no. Bushwhacker, but I think I'm going to have to shelve it for now. Yeah, I mean, I think just flush out the Ballyhoo bucket, which we kind of started to do in these two games. And then once you kind of get a good rhythm, then be like, okay, let me come back at this, you know, Fisher folk with new yep. new goggles, new glasses. Yeah. I literally, I've, I've been doing significantly better. I, I won two out of the last three games with, with the Ballyhoo bucket because I feel like they're more consistent. They're more efficient. They don't draw cards, but by God, they're so much more yeah. efficient. So you ended up bringing the Ballyhoo bucket, and when you did that, you, of course, bought, brought Brucey Boy. Uh, Brucey Boy did die turn or game one to a shot from my Pathfinder, and you're like, I wish this dog had stealth. Yeah, again, <laughs> I don't understand why a silhouette dog doesn't have stealth. Like, it just makes absolutely no sense. So he died. But yeah. you also brought Uncle Bog, which we'll talk about Uncle Bog in this game. Auntie Mel, Cervantes, Judd and Honey, Hermit and a skulker skin uh i ended up bringing a different list i brought the badland sheriff again because once again my goal in this series was what does this guy do um i brought ba- uh, bernadette of course i brought pearl sandworm john Riker, pathfinder a rough rider and one clockwork trap mm. so this one it was a wide board because it was corner we had carve which Carve seems good for bass, so I was kind of excited for that. Yeah. Uh, once again, I got a trap kind of thrown up in your face and uh, attacking. I think this one I actually put into Auntie Mel mm. and put Staggered on her early. Yeah. But as this game was kind of progressing, Dixon, what was some of your thoughts playing your Ballyhoo bucket and what you were trying to do? So here comes the thing that, that you did with Bernadette. Um, so... Uncle Bog, by the way, he may not be an MVP as, as like giving me points, but without him, mm-hmm. I probably would not be able to do any points as fast as I can with this crew because he moved my master. I think it was like 10 inches. Yeah, he moved them 10 inches yep. from the corner deployment all the way close to the midline, like two or three inches off the midline, gave me like two severes from the card cycling and then set up a ski marker for the hermit. And because of that, I was able to abuse the fact that you only put Bernadette on the left. Like, Bernadette was the only one on the left. And I was like, well, if I kill Bernadette, you get no points. Like, you're just, your wagon stays right there, and there's no points for you. So you only get, what, two points for the strategy? And that's when you have to, like, literally rearrange your entire crew to go two beaters and Pearl to the left. Yeah, you did. So you ended up swinging towards Bernadette and you killed her turn two with the Ballyhoo bucket, which so in my mind, I'm like, if he wants to bring a beat and you brought your master, I was like, if he wants to bring a beater over here to deal with Bernadette, I'm like, I'll adjust and and take that on. But there was a couple of things that really hindered that reaction on my side of things. One, I was still figuring out Bass. Mm -hmm. Um, This was the first game that I also tried Pearl and in a so i think if i brought her in a standard or wedge i think she works better in bass but the fact that it's corner and i have to kind of split to deal with my two carve markers mm. i should have either consolidated the carve markers together and kept my crew together that way or i should have brought a more flexible piece than pearl honestly i, I um, i'm not sorry to interrupt but 
I don't agree with most of that. I think you have to change your play a little bit. Because Order in the Badlands basically makes it so that Pearl heals like three or four. Uh, I think it's just yeah. trying to keep her alive is, is hard for you right now. Well, well, that that's what I'm saying is I should have, and and you did a good job with it, so I'm not I'm not going to take that against you, but mm. or take it away from you. Mm. But I should have, in retrospect, because you know after a game you you think you had a perfect plan and you get all pissed off right. when it goes south. Because I split it, and in my mind I'm like, okay, I'll score by splitting them on opposite end of the boards with the carve marker. I'll kind of pick off your crew and things will go well, but you did a good job of kind of ignoring the the flank with the pathfinder and coming at my totem and my crew a good way. And I think I would have been better served to kind of push the carve markers in a more central location, right. try to outfight you. Because like you said, with order in the badlands, I can remove like your tide markers, my markers, dust markers, all this stuff. And then I can, I can heal models up with her. So if I brought her, I think you're right. That's the better strategy to have done instead of kind of splitting my crew. Yeah, because it's, it's it seemed like you just had a you struggled a little bit, quote unquote, to keep Pearl alive. It's the first time I put her in that crew. Right. So yeah, and again, it's not. I'm not. I'm not knocking that. You know. Oh, you are. You're, you're, <laughs> no, you are. I'm not knocking that your thoughts are not are wrong. Because like maybe maybe you're right. Because I'm not the one playing guild, so I don't know if she's just a bad pick in guild. Because I don't, I don't think she's a bad pick. Because well, the reason why I was going to say that is because, like, when you play, play the guild steward, and again, it might be that you're just so much more confident, confident and comfortable playing it. You did way better. Yeah, you did way better with the with the guild steward than you did with her. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's yeah. I think it was. I just I think it was just me not putting her in this crew very well and use utilizing her to the best of her ability. And then you also did a good job of targeting her. And then the Ballyhoo Bucket has a cool ability, right? Where you can move at the end of a turn, you can move the strategy marker to then, Uh, or not strategy marker, sorry. You can move the tide markers to basically force a duel to do two damage. Or is it three damage? It's two, it's two, it's just two. But the TN is 14 movement. That's disgusting. 14 move duel. And like I've been saying, you don't have a lot of cards at the end of the turn with this crew. Right. So I'm sitting here looking at maybe I have like a five in my hand. I'm like, well, if I fail this, it's just da- and she died. Yeah, and Pearl died. And that, that, I'm like, get her off the board. Not an Pogo, because <laughs> like I did oh no Ogopogo on her constantly until she died. Yeah, Jesse from Boring Conversation was right about that bonus. <laughs> that is a son of a bitch. That'll be really something <laughs> solid. Uh, it doesn't get around stealth, which I learned. Uh, I played against a gentleman called Nathan. Uh, I think it's Nathan01 on the Discord. And he was playing uh, Marcus. And Ogo, oh no, Ogo Pogo basically never went off uh, against his stealth models, period, ever. And it was like the two big beaters. So I was screwed. Yeah, because you still have to you still have to target them. Yeah, because the targeting uh Ono Ogopogo is not from the marker. It's from your master, but you can target any model that's within three inches of, of a marker, which is insane in my opinion. So it's good because, one, it just does three damage. So yeah. that's good. Solid. No flips, but also, no flips other than the attack. The trigger is super good where basically instead of pushing them yep. you can place them within eight of an within eight inches of another tide marker so right. really you can kidnap a model or you can be like get the heck out of here yes yes and against you i was only able to do it uh twice and that was because you played very cagey like every single time there were too many tide markers well, near you, you were like f that i'm just gonna 
clear all that shit and then you know yeah i was clearing them but then also i had leadline coat on bass and reichardt uh, also true so, so true i was like yep not doing that because i want my master to do things and this is actually the game where and just so the kind of people know as we're talking about this with the pool of load em up vendetta catch and release in your face and leave your mark i ended up taking vendetta um, I did that with the sandworm onto Cervantes right. and I did catch and release and I did the rough rider because you had a couple of, a uh, couple of henchmen. I was like, yeah, the rough rider can probably get in there and catch something. I think on this one though, I don't even know which schemes you took because I, I just was so off till oh, turn three. Uh, tell me the schemes and I can tell which ones I picked. I can't remember right now. Load them, load them up, Vendetta, catch and release in your face and leave your mark. Uh, I have Vendetta and I had... Wait, did you say Hidden Markers? Uh, no, not on this so one. So it was leave your mark. Leave your mark in your face. I think you took it in your face, didn't you? Yes, I did. Because my master was going to be uh, doing a whole bunch of killing and... Because you didn't kill, I mean, you ran away from me. I wasn't able to do it with my master. So instead, I did the second point of, of in your face, and I put the um, Uncle Bog into the deployment zone, and that was it. By the way, Uncle Bog, super fast for a fat guy on a, on a gator. Yeah, Uncle Bog, constantly, man. And he can move. How good, how good is that model? That model, like, like I said, I wanted to give him MVP, but he himself didn't get me that many points. Uh, like the skulkers did more work than him uh, in terms of giving points, but he, he was solid every single game. I wanted to put Uncle I, Bog I in every list. I was surprised with Uncle Bog yeah. that you didn't take leave your mark because he has a weary road, right? No, I don't disagree with that. By the way, <laughs> like, like I, I thought, how can I say this? I need to work on picking my schemes better. Obviously, across sure. all the games that we play for all these series. I pick wrong schemes all the time. It's actually one of the stupid memes that people keep telling me. I was like, Dixon, why did you pick the scheme that you knew you'd never be able to score? I was like, because I'm dumb, okay? I'm dumb. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I think I think when it counts, I think you do a better job of that. But when you're playing games where you're trying to figure it out, I think you, you told me that you like picking one that you know you can score and trying one that... Yeah might be a little more challenging yeah, yeah but still like you have to put a little bit more thought process into them when i pick load them up yeah. against tall i was that was stupid that was just dumb because i didn't even care to look at the card that's dumb anyway but yeah no back back to the thing uncle bog so you yeah good oh uncle bog should have swamp fiend i don't care Hit. what like uncle bog should have swamp fiend and both people should have pig instead of suey i don't i don't understand and i mean I might as well add in uh, fucking what's his face, Bo. Bo should have Angler. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, That's it. Makes sense. Those are my three picks for Bayou. Yeah, but honestly, I think the reason why the Ballyhoo Bucket doesn't care about the card draw issue that maybe it would have is because you have off the path to kind of filter your hand a little bit. So not only do you get to move your crew, but then you get to go ahead and be like, cool, I'm going to pitch these moderates or these mins. I'm going to move this model and then draw two more cards. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you are, are how can I say this? I think you valued this model way better than I did when we first started because I thought the Uncle Bog was bad. I think you you convinced me that he's actually good because he said no model with a wary road can be bad. 
<laughs> well, not only so that's what I'm saying is like he has a lot of out of activation movement and scheme dropping, which like we said, leave your marks great. Uh, in not not so much in this this one, he just helped you kind of alpha a little bit. But in the other games where you have to kind of be guarding a stash or you have to be covert ops and unengaged, yep. he can help kind of manipulate that. Plus, he can move. If I don't have a lead line coat, he can move my models to get them out of an area, too. Which happened. I think it happened against one of your horses one time, and it happened against um, the yeah. giant robot menace that we're going to be talking about soon. Yep. <laughs> so as this kind of progressed, so we got into turn two. You killed Bernadette. You kind of had your snail. You had the hermit. You had your clampet ballyhoo bucket over there on my left flank. And you started bringing up anti-mel. So I was like, okay, I need to address this. So I brought in, you know, my master. I brought in, you know, Rikar. I brought in a couple of things. And this is kind of where I started figuring out uh, Cornelius Bass's activation. Because I actually came into your Ballyhoo bucket. And I took the you're coming with me trigger to push you three. And then I placed, now I screwed up here because I should have used my last activation to kick your marker back. So you didn't score turn two on the card. I remember that, yeah. And that was the first thing that pissed me off because I forgot about it. Like right after, and it's one of those things like right after I did the next attack action because I put staggered on you and then I was like, cool, now I'm going to stun you. Right. And I was like, crap, that was good, but I should have denied you the point. Yeah. But I was like, you know, we were already past it, and I was like, that was a dumb decision. That's why. But that dumb but decision this is, is what cost you the game. Yeah, and then I bonused actions to then pulse out staggered, and I think I hit your hermit crab maybe with it yeah, too. Yeah. Um, so that was the first time where I was like, okay, this is what a bass activation, if you use shackles, is supposed to look right, like. Right, 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 right. And it was is like the next game was also just as efficient. The big issue with him is he's yeah. not killing anybody. He's making no. models useless and they're not scoring points, but he's not killing anybody. Yeah, I think if you use the shackles, you want to go ahead and I think you need to at least neuter two activate two models worth of activations. And one of those needs to either be a beater or a master. Yeah. So when I'm looking at a shackles kind of like activation now, I want to charge in and I want to probably put staggered on a beater first. Right. And then I want to be close enough where I can do the bonus, get a crow to pulse out staggered. So now either two or three models have staggered and I heal too, because that's always good. And then I can go ahead and be like, cool, I'm going to attack your master. Now I'm going to put stunned on him and then I'm going to attack another one and put stunned on that model or slow if it's better to put slow on. Yeah, that that's um, one of those triggers that like it's super important to the game plan, because when you were surrounded by two yeah. or three models, like you learn, I was like, all right, first things first, challenge that model over there. And now everybody, <laughs> yeah, everybody is now staggered because, you know, so who who has the lowest willpower? I remember that question. Yeah. Ooh, flipping annoying, by the way. You're like, all right, that guy over there gets screwed. That guy over there gets screwed. Yeah. yeah. And that's when, because like you were saying, I think twisting tornado is a good action as well, yeah. especially to kind of rearrange the board and also ping some damage out. Yeah. But I think once it starts getting kind of in, you know, up close and personal, I think that's when you want to look at, cool, I need to push and not only not even just pushing models to get other stuff in range, right. but also taking threats away from your squishy stuff. Yes. So like there was a time not in this game, 
the next game where Bernadette was in trouble. And I'm going to talk about that when we right, get to right, it. Right, right. And Bass came in, shackled everybody up, <laughs> and was like, get over here away from my gal. Right. I don't know. Is Bernadette his like sister as well? Or is this I don't know. A daughter? I don't I know. Wouldn't be, I mean, she's definitely family, but that's it. That's as much as I know about her. Yeah, she she looks younger, so I'm guessing I'll say younger sister, maybe. I want to say daughter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm gonna say maybe. daughter because I know Pearl's his sister, so I know that one. I did not. Or no, Pearl's Parker's sister. Okay, Pearl Musgrove is Parker's sister. No way. Yep. Holy crap. Yep. Photon says it's the daughter. I'm gonna believe Photon. Yeah, Boom. me too. <laughs> well, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I was looking at her face. It's like she has a baby face. It's like I think it's his daughter. Yep. So. We get into this game. Like I said, you kind of blow that up. And then I was kind of a little pissed off with the way it was going because I got behind the game a little bit here. Um, I scored one for Carve, but you were starting to score two for Carve. And I had that side that was really a problem. I actually had a problem with the dang. So Pearl died, which is fine. I just misplayed her. I can be at peace with that now, but I was pissed at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rough Rider... I am a little disappointed in the Rough Rider. I didn't want to believe you. We were comparing it to the Mounted Guard for Guild. Well, no, no. Let, let's speak. Let's retract that. You said, okay, what are the best ski markers? And you said three because we were talking about Loiza. And yeah. what did you say? Well, I think Photon actually brought up the Mounted Guard. And I was like, oh, yeah, Mounted Guard's great. That's true. And then uh, and then you're like, no, 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 no. And I said, uh, and then I added a hunter. Correct. Was the other one. And, and I, I love those three. And then you're like, nah, I'm going to try the Rough Rider. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. And what happened? <laughs> well, first off, the Rough... You don't think the Movement 6 is going to be a problem until it is. <laughs> yeah. Because the Mounted Guards move 7. So in my mind, I already have that mapped out on a board, like how far that looks. Yes. And each time I put out 6, I was like, this is like an inch too short. Like I need it to be 7. Yeah. yeah. And it wasn't. Also, I think the stats kind of suck a little bit more. I think it's, I think the, I'd have to look it up, but it's I think just, the Mounted Guard is Willpower 5. Yes. Mounted Guard is Willpower 5. This is Willpower 4. That's another thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, it it's like, it has favorable terrain, but you already ignore terrain with the Mounted Guard. Uh, looted Supplies really doesn't come up too much unless you're playing him in, what's his face, in Lucas yes. McCabe. Lucas. Uh, kick up dust is whatever his, his, his rifles. Okay. But your stuff was so tanky that that never meant anything. Yeah. Uh, and I needed to move to do things for like ride with me and stuff. Uh, so yeah, he, it just, he just, he sucked. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. He just sucked. Uh, and then it got to a point where Cervantes finally got away from a trap and then Cervantes ended up stabbing the Rough Rider in the face for like four or five damage. Yes. And made me sad. Yes. Like Cervantes. Cer- Cervantes was your, see, he was your MVP in that game. In that game, Easy. yeah. Well, let me put it this way. In every game that Cervantes was there, he was he was at least top three. And in that game, he was a thousand percent the best. He killed like 17 points of your models, scored me three VPs and was just a menace. He was just a general menace. He's only speed three. <laughs> well, and the thing that, and this is where I like, I tried not to rage quit right. and I didn't, but then I did later in the turn <laughs> is I didn't know that he had captain's challenge. Right. And I literally had Cervantes as I think he was, let me check. Yeah. He was actually my vendetta target with the worm. Right. And I was literally getting set up for turn three to kill him. Right. And you challenged 
So now I'm like, oh, cool. This 13 armor piercing I have in my hands doesn't mean anything from the Pathfinder. Right. And the worm can't come up and kill you for turn four. Right. It's, I was just, I was so frustrated at that point because that basically made it where I knew I probably wasn't going to be able to score these two points. No, no. And, and, and specifically, a trader in, you know, in quotation marks, one of your traps was the reason why I was able to do it. Cause like your trap is like willpower two. And I was like, I'm going to challenge that stupid, you know, trap no you actually challenged the rough rider not the trap it was no I, I'm, okay it was, it was the rough whichever rider. i did the reason i did that is because there were like low willpower and i'm a six on that ability and i had like a middling nine or something like that and you couldn't cheat yep. it. you're like well shoot and once again i was out of cards because of this crew <laughs> so i couldn't cheat it but Vantas is just like uh, like he's also well su- and not only healing. that he, he he i would say he healed up i had him down like three hit points, and you're just like, well, I guess I'm going to take this survival skills trigger and... Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> like, he's, he's amazing. He's straight amazing. And, like I said, he killed the trap, he killed the horse, put some damage on Rykart, and then just fucked off. Like, he just left. Yep. <laughs> yep. Well, because then you were just like, well, I'm just going to scoot up towards this card marker. Yeah, I'm just going to... Stupid snail. Yeah, I'm just going to keep, uh, what you call it, I'm going to keep uh, escorting the wagon all the way into your deployment zone. And... and I remember literally Rykar literally running after the stupid snail and just going, why can't I kill you? <laughs> why are you faster than I think you should be? Right. <laughs> yeah, so Cervantes was really good in that for sure. Um, so I think finally where I just was like, F this game, you it was the end of turn three and you were doing the damage thing. I'm like, cool, whatever. And you're like, do you just want to quit? I'm like, I got nothing else to see in this game. This game's dead to me. <laughs> Uh, too many um, things have gone wrong. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you probably end up winning this thing. You probably get three from the car. Yep. You probably get your... Uh, in your face. What it was. In your face. And um, we talked about it. And Vendetta. I got my Vendetta. I mean, you probably... You, yeah, you probably end up getting five or six points where I think maybe I got three. Yeah. Maybe if I maybe if i kept with let it me, let me put it this way you were so upset about this game that you didn't even keep track of the points because like you're very good at keeping no, track of nope. the points but you raged <laughs> like i don't even care pack it up like, i'm out put it in so get the pooper scooper just throw your hands up <laughs> i did i was so pissed at this good game God. i mean but the next game was solid well, so this game had me questioning Badland Sheriff because I was like, okay, so he's a lockdown guy. Is that worth it yeah. versus the blasting of the original? Right. Uh, and I think game three probably solidified that, yeah, it's probably worth it in some games and some matchups. Correct. Correct. Because there, there are models out there that if you stun, if you stun Toll one, like you said, he's done. And he's only movement five. So that's a good matchup right yeah. there. Yeah, so this one, so we actually played this a little different because I think you actually said like, okay, if we could do game one again, let's do that because I want to see how the Ballyhoo bucket does in that game yes. to compare it to the original. Right. So I actually thought that was a really good idea. And then I was like, cool. And I got a better idea of how this master works. So I think that would give us our best game out of this three game yep. series and then to kind of compare. sent the best list name I've seen in a while. Yeah, so F by you. <laughs> so first off, just to refresh everybody, once again, the game one and three pool, because we just played it again, was covert ops and standard with public demos, spread them out, sabotage, set the trap, and hidden martyrs. 
So this one was, like I said, the same as the first, but instead, I so now that I've played two games with the Badland Sheriff, I was like, okay, so this is not a beater. I can't think that this master is going to do any damage for me. So I was like, if I'm going to make a list out of this, I need to bring not just Reichardt if I'm going to try to kill. So one, either I'm going to scheme and the sheriff is going to help me survive because he's going to lock down threats, right. or I'm going to fight and he's going to lock down threats or punish a model so my models can punish it further. Yes. So I was like, I'm going to bring Badland Sheriff. And once again, I brought Leadline Coat because I want him to survive. Yes. I brought Bernadette, Pathfinder, Reichardt. Then I put in the Peacekeeper. So I was like, I'm going to throw this Armor 2 Beast in this list and see if Dixon knows how to deal with it. And then I brought a Guild Lawyer because I was like, I want extra movement for the Peacekeeper and I want extra actions out of the Peacekeeper. Yep. And then I brought a Guild. So that was a Guild Lawyer. And then I brought a Clockwork Trap and I brought the Guild Steward just for some extra focus and healing uh, because I was having PTSD of not putting focus on my models from Pandora. Yep. So I was like, oh, yeah, I can put focus on my models and actually use them in this game. Yeah, but he ended up being, I'm, I'm not going to say MVP, but he was so key on a whole bunch of stuff. Reichardt, he was like injured yeah. too at one point in time and distracted. And you were like, dispel magic, get focus, uh, get healed, get another focus. Like, it was so, so specific how good he was at that. I, I just like yeah. being the, the fixer. And you yeah, and you actually brought the same list that you did in game two. So the Ballyhoo Bucket, Bruce, Uncle Bog, Auntie Mel, Cervantes, Judd and Honey, Hermits, and Skulker. Yeah, because that list performed so well that I wanted to see if it was the list or the matchup. So when when you saw in this pool that I brought this Peacekeeper out of nowhere, right. what kind of started firing off in, my, in your mind there, Dixon? Changing how to engage him. I was like, well... I have Judd and Honey, so he can still be planked. But other than that, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to approach you. So I was like, all right, I need to Ogopo him. So I need to set that up very, very carefully. And that's it. That was it. The yep. entire time I put a, a tide marker, uh, I think like three or four inches off of my deployment zone so I could, I could actually have a, a, a landing zone. And I was setting up my master with, um, what's his face, Bog to put be in the right place so that then my master can activate, chuck a, a type marker, and then kidnap yeah. you. And, like, you, I don't know if you didn't see it coming, but it worked. <laughs> well, here's the funny, well, because one, the, the Peacekeeper is kind of interesting because if your opponent can move it, you almost have to accept that they can move it. Like, okay, it, it's... It's just, it's a low defense, low willpower. You're, you have to just be at peace where it's like, they're going to abuse it. You just have to be cognizant of that and react to where they move it. So I knew Ogopogo was a, a threat. So I kind of kept that in the back of my mind on how I could react. But I also had to try to keep some space between my models behind him because I didn't want you blasting onto my squishier models right. with Judd and Ani. Right. So I kept that in mind, but I'm like, I st it still has to get in the action. I can't just keep it back. So I used I used Bass Badland Sheriff to try and clear out some some uh, tide markers. So I got rid of one in the middle, because that's a cool thing about about um, the Ballyhoo Bucket is you just put three out in the beginning of the game. Yep, yep. and which is really cool. And they're concealing. So yep. not only can I put out severe uh, ter severe terrain that's concealing, 
it's it's uh whatchamacallit it's a thing that affects all of them across the table so literally you yeah. you if you weren't bass it would be even more powerful but in, in against you it never actually came up yeah and it so this was good because i i chose sabotage again and i I didn't think I was going to score sabotage. I was like, I'm just going to see if I can get it late game. Right. Um, I took hidden martyrs, but I took hidden martyrs because I'm like, he has to kill the peacekeeper, and I can pick Bernadette as my other model. So I was like, I'm going to try to score that, and I think that's a, a fun way to do it. You did. You just didn't and, run Bernadette back to the blue zone like I thought you would. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but turn one was pretty effing hilarious because. We get towards the end of turn one. I use the lawyer to walk up the uh, the peacekeeper. I use the pathfinder to do follow my path to push the peacekeeper up. So the peacekeeper from standard deployment got to move, what is that, four, five, six, seven, eight inches. Mm -hmm. So he was pretty close to the midline. And as the turn got towards the last couple of activations, you had your hermit next to your master kind of up, up towards a little past the deployment zone. Yep. And you kind of... You had to deal with a couple traps, so you know it wasn't as much as the other game. But I activated the peacekeeper. I think it was my last activation. It was, and you had your poor, you had your poor little hermit there. And I was like, I could charge, but I think he has extended reach, so that's not the move. He, he did. He had extended reach. That's exactly why I put him in there because I put him. This is my master, and I put him like just here because your peacekeeper was down here, so that yep. if you came in, I was going to stop your charge. And you're like. I'm going to shoot it instead. <laughs> yeah, so I ended up shooting it instead. Uh, I shot him with the harpoon gun, and the first attack, I ended up hitting him. Yep. And when I did the negative, I got double severe. Right. So I just put, put five damage on him. So I dragged him in. Yep. And then, little known to Dixon, I had a 13 of rams in my hand. Yep. <laughs> so I end up doing another attack. I cheat in the ram. Mm. And then this is a harpoon gun again. Because I was like, I'm probably not going to kill him. But at least I can go ahead and move him into where I can kill him next turn. Yeah. So I shot him again. And I'm like, cool, this is a straight flip. So I straight flipped it. And it was another severe. So the snail just died turn one. Yep. One of my key. And Dixon, Dixon just had like some, some just just like crazy reactions where he goes like, I can't believe this just happened. Yep. How did you kill my snail turn one? Yep, yep, yep. My hermit did not survive past turn one, and I was like shocked. And it was funny because like... That scared the crap nah, out of Dixon. It terrified me, so I was like, well, uh, that was like one of my key Dixon's like, is, <laughs> is the peacekeeper just going to like kill a model a turn now? Yeah, which actually, uh, the next thing that happened was actually very important because I, I did my kidnapping anyway. And I made yep. sure that I keep a 13 in my hand just so that if next turn happens, I, I have. Oh, and I kept a pass token because you made a trap. Yep. So I was like, all right, cool. Yep. So I'm going to do this. And actually, I didn't make I didn't make a trap. that Not turn because I'm not that turn later, but not that. Turn. OK, well, I remember like I got first activation, second turn, and I had a way to like guarantee it. So yeah. Maybe I had a red joker in my hand because all I know is that I activated my I wombo combo or did I just activate my master? I think it was just my master. Uh, your master was your last activation and you moved the peacekeeper out of my Yeah, game. I did the kidnapping. So I put your peacekeeper in the middle of like killer's lane, basically. Like it was my master, yep. Auntie Mel, Bog, and uh, 
my dog. Well, in turn Bruce. two, turn two, you got Ogo Pogo with the trigger again on the peacekeeper. Well, I did it. And I was worried. Fact. Yeah, I was worried you were going to then kidnap the peacekeeper into your crew. No, because <laughs> why didn't you do that? And we talked about this. I was terrified. I was like, I'm going to do as much damage as I can. And then I'm going to chuck it right back to his deployment zone. That way he has to come back to me because I have range. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So we definitely have to talk about this because I think I underestimated it mm. with the the caught in the motor is a three, four, six attack. That's pretty good on the board. Yep. I, I brought down. I wasn't and, able to kill your your the only reason why and you I can get a positive on the damage. Flip. Right, right. But I couldn't kill your peacekeeper because even with my positive, you have harder wound. Harder wound. harder wound, armor two. like it's very, very strong. So, but you ended up bring. I mean, you still did a good job though, because you still brought it down to like three hit points, and then you threw it back into micro. Yeah, I, I brought it down to uh, well, I brought it down to three, then hit it with overpower, brought it down to two, put it in your deployment zone. Basically, it was like two or three inches up from your deployment zone. Yeah, and you're like, wait, why did you do that? I'm like, I can still kill him. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to chance you activating and just tearing into well, Mel. Here, here's kind of the cool thing, though, right? This is actually where I started getting my master into it right. because then I was able to take Bass and charge you, get the you're coming with me to bring you back to my peacekeeper. Right, right. And like, <laughs> it, I think it took a concerted effort between uh, Judd and Honey, which, by the way, Almost MVP this game. Judd and Honey was just like plinking. You really right? love Judd and Honey, man. Dude, 18 inch range that ignores line of sight is insane. Ignores line of sight and friendly fire. Like, I love this thing. I th so low key. So I think there's there's two things here that I can actually I appreciate more now that we played the game. Right. One, <laughs> you use blow it to hell because Uncle Bog was kind of in a pickle. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, Uncle Bog can't move that fast because there's a box in his way. Right. And you were like, well, I'm going to blow to hell this box. I was like, oh, making room for Uncle Bog, huh? Yeah, I didn't even have to, like, <laughs> I was shocked that it was so obvious to you. You're like, oh, just making sure the Uncle Bog can get into the fight, huh? I'm like, I can't hide things from you. <laughs> yes. But the, se the second thing that I think is really impressive is actually the signal flare to heal your models. That's, yeah. I actually... I did not appreciate that action until I saw you use yeah, it. Yeah, it, it's a one-time heal per model. So every activation, uh, you can just like heal one model or move it, one or the other. So it's not OP, but it is 18-inch range. Like the fact that he reaches out so much into it, like he affects so much of the table that you can't be well, mad at not it. Only, not only that, but it's one, two, three, heal, and you get to move it towards... No, no. Towards uh, Judd and Honey. One or the other. You cannot do both. Oh, okay. Yeah. But either or. I mean, heal or move yeah. it, because if you weren't... One, you were staggered, so you couldn't have moved Correct. him. But if you weren't staggered, I think you would have actually just moved it back and then tried to heal him again. Uh, no. can only target. That's what I'm saying. You can only target a model once per... Oh, not been targeted. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Again, 18-inch range... And it, but it's flexible. It is, it is very flexible, but it's balanced on the fact that there's that all those limitations that we just said. Because like you, you, sure. you well, still affects. And you kept telling because I was like, well, Dixon, it's not super impressive. You're like, well, he's only six points. I mean, what do you want? Yeah, you can't pick. <laughs> yeah, you, you, there's only so much a six point model can do, but this guy does let's, it. Let's just say you have convinced me to try him in tall because I have seen the flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, he plinks them. Well, plus, there's, the thing. there's a trigger on Louisa 
that does plus one damage to burst and pulse damage as well. So, I mean, if you get that off, I mean, that boosts the damage of his Huacha up to two, three, three. Yeah. And then with his clustered arrows trigger, it could be three, four, four. So not terrible. Holy crap. I didn't even realize that. I mean, that's good. Or sorry, you don't, you don't, you don't drop the blast markers though with that trigger, but still good. Okay. Okay. Still though, like he, he has a lot of, play for six points. I mean, seriously. He's so damn good for six points. He doesn't do heinous amounts of damage, but what he does, he's yep. super efficient at it. And you only let's just five. say I you only I became five. to I appreciated him so much yeah. that I began running models into him to engage him. <laughs> That's what I said. It's like with the, the those I think it was either game two or or one where you teleported the sandstorm, the sandworm, sorry, to violently destroy my poor guy. And you held him up for two turns. Yeah, I did that. Because he has armor one. Yep. So, like, it wasn't super easy for you to kill it, but it, it, it took, like, what, two turns for you to kill it? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, so as we kind of progress, this kind of, this one, it, it was a low-scoring game. We both scored the strategy, I think, turn one and two. Uh, I didn't get anything except for hidden martyrs I got. One, I think you killed the peacekeeper, what, the bottom of turn three? I think you finally got him with your, actually, you got him with Judd and yeah, Honey. Yeah, Judd and Honey, finally, he was like at one health, and I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to hit him and splash. Oh, yeah, because since I emptied my hand trying to, basically, I tried to see if I could kill your master, right. and I got him down pretty close. You got him down to five health. But <laughs> I companioned into my guild steward. Right. And I just needed a. I'm like, I just need a six. Like, this is going to be kind of probably what makes this turn. And I flipped. I had a five in my hand, so I didn't. I couldn't cheat it. Flipped. I missed it. I was like, well, peacekeeper's going to die. Then there's nothing much I can do. And it made me sad. In the yep, yep, yep. I watch at him. Uh, I think one time. Then heal my master, two to three health. I can't remember exactly. Uh, yep. And after that, I was like, uh, I, I guess I'm just going to like stand here pretty because like again. 18 inches is is so absurdly long that I just love the model because of that. He affects the board. Yeah, I did make a mistake with this crew, though, because um, I, I could have played the guild lawyer a little bit better. Um, like you were saying, I wasn't fully getting what I needed to out of my obeys. I wasn't getting movement like for charge actions and positioning my models well with them. Uh, and I mean, like I said last time, the guild lawyer is never bad, so I didn't feel terrible about it, but I definitely need to get that act that model's activations cleaner. And I'm not the best obey master as well. So that's probably another reason why, like, I just, I don't see clean lines of obey play because I'm just like, I'm going to obey an attack, I guess. And I don't think of all these cool little situations you can ponder up out of your head with them. Yeah. I mean, just that, that takes a lot. Remember what I said? like, it took me like 30 games to play Sorita well. Oh, it does. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that because like I'm playing it better, but I'm just like, I can do more with that to make it more efficient. Yep. yep. Um, but since you killed the peacekeeper, that made it where basically you started to have this left flank locked down. You had Cervantes coming in, you had your master in. Your master was healing, which was a problem. You had a skulker skulking around. You still like those dang skulkers, man. They okay, so that skulker got me two points. He did, but why do you like these skulkers? They're so, much? so damn fast. They're five points of like potentially nineteen inch movement. Uh, I played a game the game that I played against Marcus. Actually, that's a perfect example. Skulker was able to move sixteen inches into my deployment zone and wait until turn five to then go back 
like 19, 18 or 19 inches to engage a model that's more expensive than him to get me the hidden martyrs. There was yeah, not only that, but there's some subtle things that are pretty good. Like the bonus is okay. Sometimes you hit it, sometimes you don't. Yeah. But you have on the move, right. your move five, you have stealth. You also, something that came up a bunch mm -hmm. is if you're next to severe terrain, you extend that. Yes. So it makes it harder for like my traps. It, there was a game where it was like hard to get into yep. uh, other models that don't ignore severe terrain. It makes it easier to protect yourself. I'll and to, they also against you, it, this didn't matter, but it also extends concealment and hazardous. But against you, yep. that didn't matter. Yeah. And lastly, I was going to say they're undersea toxins. Mm -hmm. Putting poison and injured on models is just super good. Yes. And I don't even have to choose. Now I had the I had the guild I had the guild steward to kind of combat that a little right. bit, but still it was like I can't believe you're injuring my master and trying to do work. And it was like randomly I would be like, all right, well, shooting your master, uh, did I get it? Yay! If I didn't get it, doesn't matter. Like literally, it was just yep. like it's an opportunity. Let's just do it. <laughs> I've I've come to appreciate them. I think there's I mean they're only five stones, so you're not getting like world breaking stuff. Correct. But they're inconvenient to deal with. Yes, they are squishy, but it's like you have so many other problems, especially if you bring the Ballyhoo bucket that is like, yeah, you have this big tugboat. Are you worried about the tugboat or are you worried about the gremlin in the Silurid skin? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'd, wor I'd worry about the tugboat. Because of, <laughs> because of the gun specifically um, and because my leap doesn't require anything, I'm considering them to play them instead of the 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 silhouettes now the silhouettes doesn't don't need the mask for the leap but they don't have a gun so you see there's yeah. there's a predicament because like first mate he needs a mask uh silhouettes don't need a mask but they don't have a gun yada 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 there's there's i don't know i'm appreciating yeah. them more and more every time i play them um i think they're good in keyword i wouldn't bring them out of keyword I'm, I'm debating that i'm actually tempted to play them well i mean it's the same thing we always say give it a try and you'll figure it out right, right. if you like it or not That's right and you could be like me in that last game with the stupid Rough Rider where it's like, I'm going to bury this model and never let it see the light of day. Dude. To think I was going to buy that model. I still think that the Rough Riders are great in Lucas McCabe. Oh, sure. I don't play Lucas McCabe, though. In Lucas McCabe, I love him. True, true. I'm surprised you don't, by the way. Kind of switch that a little bit. I do have McCabe. I just don't play 10 Thunder, so... I, I get you now. I get you now. <laughs> no, say no. I could, so I, could, I could solo a tournament with McCabe, though, and have fun. Yeah. Oh, uh, so as you started to kind of collapse that, I realized that I had to try to stall you as much as possible. And actually in this game for the listeners, Dixon already knows this. I, in turn three, four, and five, I had, I didn't have higher than, except for last turn, I got a 13, but besides that one 13, I didn't have a card higher than a nine. So for three turns, I'm sitting there struggling being like, I need to just try to get points, play defensively, my peacekeeper's down. Yep. Like I had to try to find points out of that. And there was a couple of times where I'm just trying to flip and trying to see if I, I almost killed Uncle Bog, but then right cart, just since I didn't have the cards, I was just on a prayer and you were on a, on a tide marker. So you were flipping a positive. That, that right there, by the way. Yeah. It's like tide markers, uh, flip plus significantly better for hand like like being able to keep my hand because i was just flipping so many cards that most of the time i was flipping higher than you and i didn't have to cheat yeah and it's just it's one of those things where i 
I just, you had to kind of try to get your points where you could. So I was trying to get Pernodette back to score a point, which eventually I did. But then I still had to, actually I didn't because I already scored that middle one. So I had to get her back there into trouble. But anyways, the this bass activation with Badland Sheriff was the, this was like, yes, this is exactly why you would bring bass in my opinion, is you had your Ballyhoo bucket, the Skulker, and you had uh, your snail boy there, Cervantes. And I charged your master. I got the, you're coming with me trigger on his shackles, placed you or moved you, placed me. Then I pulsed out staggered. So I put stunned on your master. I put staggered on all three of the models. And then I had two attacks left. So then I ended up putting stunned on Cervantes. And then I think I even stunned no, I slowed your your uh, little dude, your uh, skulker. So out of that, at those three actions, I put out all this staggered. All the model, no, sorry, two of the models were stunned. Yep. One of the models was slowed, right. and I was like, "This makes it where this half of the board, I pretty much don't have to worry about to try and stop you from scoring." Uh, card draw the because the thing is like. We both had one turn. I can't remember which one it was. Where like the highest card in both our hands was like an eight or nine, like you were saying. Yeah. And I think that was turn four. We both suffered from it. But I activated Uncle Bog, and all of a sudden I was fine again. You were not. Yeah, yeah, because you ended up killing Reichart with Uncle Bog. Surprisingly enough, not anti Mel. Yeah. Well, Uncle Bog, he doesn't hit hard. Granted, but one damage will do that over but, and over again. Well. It's consistent, and you have the heal right. built in, right? Right. So it's like, yeah, you're pinging, but I'm healing myself. So eventually, Bog's going to win that because not only that, but Bog puts that model at a negative. So if you do hit him, you're damaging him at a negative, and he's damaging you for whatever, but he's healing. Yep, yep. And constantly... And it's stat six. Correct. And constantly, uh, if you don't kill Uncle Bog, you can't move him. So you have to chase yeah, him. That, and it doesn't matter if you stagger yep. him. He doesn't have to disengage. He aware roads himself out of combat. And it's just all over yep. again. It starts. Like it's so he's so efficient. I can't. Yeah, I, and that's something I kept that's something I kept in mind too. I was like, this staggered would be even worse if Dixon didn't have on the move and weary roads. Yep. Because if you didn't have those two abilities, your models would have been even more locked down. Yep. Um, so yeah, that that ended up kind of fighting that out and it was funny because you ended up winning this game it probably ends up i got three points yep. out of it i think you probably got six i think that's so, right uh no i i checked i think i have five because i have the game right here i had cover ops three points one point from spread them out because you denied spread them out until the very last turn when you ran out of models true uh well because once again order of the Bandlands kept just sweeping them out so <laughs> annoyed by that but in in because you have models on the table Your skulker saved the day and got you a point exactly right exactly right and then Could spread them out uh hidden martyrs you didn't kill cervantes all the skulker so i could not get nope. the first point i only got the second point because i had cervantes i was going to but then you killed my peacekeeper yeah cervantes engaged i believe well, he's your master and he had like six health so yeah so this, this is important because I'm sitting there with my master because this, so Bass could have killed your Skulker. And yeah. I think that's, and this is my thought process. To me, I was like, why is this Skulker staying so close to my master? And I'm like, this has to be a hidden <laughs> murder target. It's like, 
Dixon wants me to kill it. I, did. I was so, so happy about that. <laughs> I said, murder him. Yeah, so I was just I was just like, I'll make him stupid and stunned and slowed and stuff. It's like, I'm not going to... I'm not going to swing on this. I'll just keep pinging your mask. Because of all the outside of activation movement, uh, Stagger was a significant nerf on my crew. But during their own activation, Skulkers, the uh, Cervantes, and uh, Bog were the only reason why I was ahead of the game. I think I think my keyword just I think you're right. Yeah, my keyword just has slightly more abilities than they should, and those abilities overcame your 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 positive. So let me put it that way. Dixon ended up getting this 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 series, and I was happy because. You know, after the four games that we played, I was like, Dixon, you're on a losing streak, man. You got to snap out of this. <laughs> I didn't want to get you swept, twi- you know, twice in a row. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I was trying really, really hard, but I did not expect to win. I, I was, I, like I told you, it's like, I think Angler is just going to get F'd in the A. Uh, right. By the way, before I leave, because I, unfortunately, I, I now have to, like, start uh, hanging out. I want to answer Photon. Photon, personally, Balahu Bucket is significantly more friendly because it's so much easier. Uh, you don't draw cards, but armor two, being able to target pretty much anything on the table off of a, a tide marker, dropping tide markers like it was your job. It, yeah, straight up easier. I thought it was going to be the one that's stealth, but the stealth has so much more stuff they have to keep track of. I don't even know. Honestly, I, I, I got to work on it. I'm going to work on it. And maybe it's a Dixon thing instead of a uh, a model thing. Well, I think I I actually think you're right. After looking at you playing and flushing out Ballyhoo Bucket, I've seen enough of the Sillard one where I don't I don't know how it plays to score points and win. But sitting in something and fighting is not the answer. It's pretty squishy once it gets in there. You don't want damage to uh, the Bali. Big. Yeah, the Ballyhoo Bucket being armor two and having some heal in there where you can heal it up you can reposition you can force your opponents to battle because think about it this way you could crash against the waves shoot a model eight inches away for your action there you get the tidal waves trigger to put a tide marker down and then you have another tide marker within eight inches of that and then you ogo pogo to then take that enemy model and move it eight inches away so essentially to another tide marker, you could displace kind of like what you did with the peacekeeper. If you if you brought the fisher folk, I don't think you could have dealt with the peacekeeper. A thousand percent. But because you brought because you brought Ballyhoo Bucket, you were able to misposition it. You were able to ping it. You're able. I mean, like I said, the three four six damage compared to the two four five damage is a. It doesn't seem like a big difference, but against armor two, it is it's huge. <laughs> A double negative. I mean, I'm sorry. Flip two car two severe. So if you double severe some something, that's six damage. That's that's a model. That's any time that I hear six damage, I hear that's a six point model dead. Yeah, it's just, it's just it's a good model. It gets a positive on damage potentially, which obviously not against a peacekeeper or hard. There was a lot of hard to wound on my side of the table. Yes. But against crews that don't have that, where you're getting straight flips, you can then cheat in the six damage. That's big. Because, yeah, like, you had hard to kill. And even hard to kill Rykart was taking four damage down to one. Because I, I think I double severe. Mm-hmm. No, I straight straight flip severe him because of my trigger. And Rykart went from, yep. like, six health to one. And it was like, yep. what the hell? <laughs> 
Yeah, and that, that's just what I'm saying. Yeah. So, and the only time I think tongue lashing is better is if you have, uh, if you're trying to attack a model that has some kind of resist trigger and you want to target their move or willpower instead of their defense or willpower. Uh, I think that's probably the only time tongue lashing is actually better. Um, yes. Like I said, I don't think I don't think Fisher Folk is bad. I think there is playability there. I would. I'm not playing Bayou currently, so I can't flush it out because I need games to flush a model out. Right. Um, but seeing you play Bayou Bucket, I think in in just if you're going to ask me in a base game, which of these two do I prefer? Just not even not matchup, not anything. Just which one's going to give you a more solid game? I would say Ballyhoo Bucket. Yep. There's such there was so much about this game before I leave that I didn't even realize we had this much to talk about. So I hope everybody enjoys this episode because like I literally <laughs> was scheduled in my opinion. Like I'm gonna talk about it for like an hour, maybe an hour and a half, and it's fine. We're an hour and forty five minutes, and I have still yep. probably like half hour more. <laughs> so maybe in some other in the next episode I'll probably complete it. So I apologize that I have to head out. Sure. Like I said, the Ballyhoo bucket, it's just, it seems like a more solid model. Uh, defense six is good on the Fisher folk, but it only has 12 hit points. I think once something really beady gets into you, as soon as you run out of stones, this model just starts to evaporate. Uh, I, I've had no problem killing the Fisher folk model each time I've seen it on the board. Uh, the Ballyhoo bucket in this game against Bass's crew. I only had the one armor piercing model with the Peacekeeper, which did scare Dixon. The Peacekeeper did slam a lot of armor piercing into the Clampets, and I still didn't kill it because of the displacement that he can do, the out-of-turn healing that you can do with, like, the the Judd and Honey and some of the other models. So it's just, it's it's a good model. So I would definitely, Photon, recommend for your friend that, yeah, get the Fisher Folk. Obviously, you get them because they're in the core box, but definitely pick up the title. One, the model looks cool for the Ballyhoo bucket. You just have this big tugboat. And two, it's just a solid model. It's it's not slow. It's it's decently fast. You have Uncle Bog and other models to move it. Uh, and Ogo Pogo. Oh, no, Ogo Pogo. Not only is fun to say, but it's pretty ridiculous. I definitely did not appreciate it when I first looked at it. Um, but yeah, the, the Clampets end up getting this one against uh, against Bass. I definitely, like I said, coming from a Madness of Malifaux keyword to a regular keyword uh, with Frontier, I definitely noticed like, oh yeah, this is what it's like to play regular Malifaux. You actually have to pick your resources and actually decide which ones are important that you want to cheat. Whereas when I was playing Tall, I felt like I could just do whatever I wanted. Pretty much had a little permit and it said, Pete gets to do whatever he wants with Tall. And <laughs> I... Uh, I, it was refreshing because I'm like, this is what I want Malifaux to be. I want it to be where you have to select which actions matter. You have to be very strategic where, where you place things when bad things happen. Like I got a crap hand the last three, three turns of game three. I was like, okay, I have a crap hand. i might not get anything. I want this turn. I need to try to stop scoring the most efficient way I can. And I did that with my master. So that's what I want Malifaux to be. I don't want it to be like this madness of Malifaux stuff where you get everything, you deny everything. This these these keywords are so efficient and so good that you can get everything you want. Every action goes off. Like I was saying with Tall, it got to the point where if it wasn't a resisted duel, everything I wanted to went off unless I black jokered. And I don't 
I don't want Malifaux to be in that spot. Whereas when I was playing Frontier, I think everybody has basically kick up dust. And I think half the time it didn't go off. Um, I think with Bernadette, I think her kick up dust maybe went off 50% of the time, maybe. Uh, just because, like I said, you only need a five, but do you really want to cheat in a five if you miss it just for a kick up dust marker sometimes, but not always. Uh, I know when I brought Pearl in game two, same thing, kick up dust didn't go off. I was like, I can't, I can't afford to cheat that. That just doesn't go. So yeah, just kind of keep that in mind as maybe a big reason why if, if your group likes that better than this OP stuff, this madness of Malifaux stuff, definitely try the balance foe stuff. Try to, you know, be like, cool, this is how I want Malifaux to play. I don't like this OP stuff where we're getting everything in the world and try it, try it out that way. And I think it is going to be enjoyable for a lot of people. Uh, I enjoyed this, like playing against the Clampets. I didn't feel like the Clampets are overpowered. They're good. And the Polly Bucket can be a little nuts to play against, but the game was a lot of back and forth. And I think Dixon played it well. And then I had some instances where his positive flips on the tide markers made the difference in a couple of those interactions where it didn't allow me to, to punish him for maybe bad positioning. Um, but like I said, good. I definitely like the clampets. I can appreciate them a little bit more. And like I said, I think that's the Ballyhoo bucket uh, instead of the Fisher folk in most games. I think there are some pools where, I do like the Fisher folk a little bit better when you need to be flexible and maybe jumping place to place uh, and you still want to draw some cards. This is going to go there. I wish, I guess real in does have drop a scheme marker into base contact with this model or the target. So that's a pretty good trigger. So maybe, maybe that's the one, but I was going to say more kind of like, Putting down scheme markers like that would be would be good on Fisher folk, just so you could score maybe sabotage. But that's kind of where I'm conflicted. Do I want my master scoring sabotage? Do I want my master scoring breakthrough? Uh, and I would have to put Fisher folk on the table to see if the answer to that's yes. I think maybe I would see. I would have to see how how good it feels. That's like when I played Terra one. Uh, yeah, she can just score those like at will. And if the Clampets can do some of that. And maybe still kill scheme runners, uh, kill problematic models. Maybe that's where they fit in. But I think as a generalist, I think like which one do I prefer to drop into most matchups? I really like the Ballyhoo bucket, and uh, glad to see that that Dixon found some some funness in in the Clampets. So, but I think we're gonna leave it there. Uh, Dixon did a great job flushing this out and giving himself hope for the anglers. But until next time, make sure that you guys are flipping cards, flipping tables. See y'all later.